Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Sex, Love, and Addiction. This show was created to provide accurate expert information and support for those seeking insight into the painful realities of cheating and infidelity, sex and porn addiction, as well as the relationship between chronic drug abuse and paired sexual behavior, commonly known as chemsex. I'm your host, Dr. Rob Weiss, a licensed therapist, addiction specialist, sexologist, clinical educator, and author of 10 books on intimacy, addiction, sexuality, and relationship health. This podcast is a forum for discussing sex, love, and addiction in frank, fact-based, informative ways. My primary goal is to bring you clear advice, opinions, and feedback from some of the world's most renowned experts in human sexuality, trauma, addiction, mental health, and relationship intimacy. This show is sponsored by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs, which are also dedicated to providing expert-focused, highly specialized residential treatment for men struggling with sex, porn, and related addictions. You can learn more about Seeking Integrity and my work there at www.seekingintegrity.com. Now let's get started. Hey everyone, thanks for coming today. You know, there are different topics that I try to bring to sex, love, and addiction. And most often I'm looking for topics that have to do with healing and being able to stay together, to work things out, to find a way through for yourself or others to some peace and and connection. As you know, connection is what it's all about. But once in a while, things don't work out. And once in a while, we have to say, you know, maybe me and my partner, maybe me and this person are better off not being together. And, you know, sometimes that's true. And so I thought maybe we should take a little bit of time and maybe a few shows, this is going to be one of them, to talk about couples that don't stay together and relationships that don't work out and negotiating that, especially in the heat of infidelity and adultery and the painful issues that all of that brings up. So I have brought an expert on the show and uh, this is Dina Haddad. Dina, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, glad to have you. Let me tell you all a little bit about Dina. First of all, Dina is a licensed attorney in the state of California. She has practiced family law in both Southern and Northern California at a bunch of prestigious firms. She's completed postdoctorate law degree in mediation, a master's in alternative dispute resolution. So this is someone who really has an understanding of how to help couples negotiate the incredibly painful and rocky road of not being together. Uh, Dina received her JD from the University of California, Hastings College of Law, a top-tier law school, and her undergraduate degree from University of California, Los Angeles, which you and I share. And in this situation, Dina is founder and principal of Families First Mediation. Her mission is to make A-class services available to clients at all socioeconomic levels by providing her commitment to excellence at a fraction of the cost of traditional divorce options. And that's here in the state of California, but we're going to be talking about how it affects everybody um, who is going through this process. Dina, welcome. Thanks for coming on. Thanks again. So you've been working in mediation for a while. Obviously, you have a lot of experience. Why that? I mean, you could just, I imagine, sit back and fill out people's paperwork and go to court and yell at the attorney on the other side, and that would be good enough for a, a divorce. Why have you taken it a step further? Very quickly, you realize when you are litigating in family law that you're not servicing the couple well. The process itself, litigation, it just doesn't put the couple in control of the divorce process. And that's probably the scariest part of your divorce is being confronted in a very difficult time in your life with a very difficult legal process. And it just doesn't set anyone up for success. Before you go there, let me ask you this. 
So a lot of people are not familiar with legal terms, no offense, but what do you mean litigation part of the divorce like that? I don't even know, no offense, I don't know what that means. And, and what, what makes that legal, dip, what makes it difficult? So when you have a choice, first, the first like question, what you were saying before, the, you know, you've made a decision that you're going to get a divorce. First, most important part, right, is that we've tried reconciliation. We've really put all our effort into this and now it's not going to work. The next question is going to be, what process do I choose to get my divorce? And this is what I was talking about. So I work with so many spouses who honestly, sometimes they will say, the reason I want to get a divorce is because I've lost respect. I no longer love. I no longer trust. I no longer had, and I know I'm probably getting ahead of it, but you know, in my case with these clients and clients who have, you know, acted out sexually, have drug problems, you know, mental health, emotional issues, they've been doing so much lying, so much cheating, so much manipulation. By the time we get to this point, spouses just don't have any sense that they can trust this other person on any level. So why would you invite someone who has absolutely no, no trust for their partner into some kind of mediation where I guess they're forced to have to negotiate? I mean, do you think that's helpful and how does it work? I do because even when the marriage trust is broken or the relationship trust is broken, mm. it's a difficult ask, but the, the couple is always going to do better if they can put some divorce trust in the bank and build an opportunity for them to negotiate, to both come to the table because the other options are just not good. They're not good enough. Can you talk about that? Like, I want to hear yeah. what that is. That's the ugly, the bad, the litigation. What, what is that? That's so, I, I have so basic definition. Litigation is the use of the court system to complete your divorce. You're going in and out of hearings. You're, hire, you're more than likely you're hiring attorneys. The attorneys are representing you. There's an implicit understanding that someone is protecting your legal rights by going through the court process. Unfortunately, attorneys are as great as they may be, are stuck in a procedural process. So in other words, they've got to do everything by the book. And that really impacts you as a divorcing couple, if that's you, right? Can you give me an example of by the book that might not work for me as a person in a divorce, but it works legally? Like what would be an example of that? Let's say that you have a pressing issue and you need it to be before the judge. You're going to pay for the attorney to run to court, put all this time to prepare your papers, and you're going to get 15 minutes before a judge. The time and energy you put into it is all about getting your papers correctly, hearsay, not hearsay, what are the things that are allowed in court forms. And then, you know, you get 15 minutes when really what you needed is an opportunity to sit down with your spouse, right? And to work out the agreement and to get a substantive issue, right? You're just stuck on procedure more often than not. 90% of your case is going to be stuck on rule abiding rather than negotiation, rather than substantive stuff like creating a great parenting plan for your kids, finding out the details about who's going to hold passports. and so, That stuff is overlooked because by the time you get there, you've spent two, three years of litigation on procedural stuff that by you're burnt out, right? You just say, agree, 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 check the box, 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 and I'm done. I'm done with this. I want to be over with this. Right. And I, can I ask, I, I know that the legal system is not purposely set up to make a difficult process, all the more difficult, but why is it? Yeah. I mean, of course not. It's called family law because the intention is it's supposed to be for families, but it's because it's a legal process. I mean, they haven't taken it out of the legal system. You do need rules. You do need laws. You know, even when you go into mediation as a mediator, the law is my threshold. You know, it, it helps motivate us all to stay on the same page. So the problem is that when you're in the system itself, the law overtakes the family part. 
So are you saying the difference, and I'm going to try to get this as a sort of someone who doesn't know these things, to see if I get it right. Litigation is about letting the attorneys drive the conversation and the direction. And mediation is about me and my partner driving how we want this to go for each other. That's right. I mean, it's a really great way to summarize it. You know, mediation puts the parties in control. They're in charge of the negotiation. They're in charge of what is important to them. They're getting guidance on the law. For me, it's really important that they have their options, that at the end of the day, they could tell the mediator they know what the law says, and therefore they did follow it. They didn't follow it. They came up with some kind of creative option that just works for them. Do you think mediation is a less expensive process potentially for couples? Yeah. Studies show it not only puts parties in control of their process, but it is far less expensive than traditional options like litigation. Now, I'm going to ask you, if you don't mind a little bit personally, because we'll get into the process a little bit more and we have some time, but what made you say, you know, this is not the way I want to see couples working through this. I want them to have a better way. What, What struck you as you're going through your profession that made you motivated to do what you're doing? And then we should talk about what you're doing, which folks don't even know about yet, but we'll get there. I, I had an idea that that's what I was going to do from an early part in my career, but I quickly knew how important it was to to jump on it quickly because I was frustrated with the system. I was frustrated with not being able to get to solutions fast enough for clients. It became kind of part of my holidays while I was a litigator that people were calling me and asking me what they were doing for their holidays because as a litigator, we couldn't move fast enough. So parties were, you know, couples would go through two sets of holidays before they even had a holiday plan. There has to be a better way to get people through a divorce process. Uh, So, okay, this is helpful. So part of what you're saying is that the length of time that couples have to negotiate to get from I want a divorce to a divorce, it's such a long time and it's such a complicated process that there are so many things they need to do during that time, like do holidays, share kids, figure out expenses, vacations. And they're not doing that because they're letting their lawyers do the talking for what, you know, maybe they felt that was the right thing, but at the same time, they're not driving the conversation. That's right. And they're not learning the stuff they need to learn for later when they are divorced. So the divorce attorney will say, I can't get to that now. We have to do disclosures, which means exchanging Mm. of basic financial information. I need X. I need Y. I need to get the other attorney on the line, right? And it's just an incredible slowdown of the system when what you truly need is answers. So all you need to do is really be in the room with your spouse and you could work it out. But because you're... What we're talking about is high conflict situations where people are broken. At this point, they're coming to you after trauma, sexual addictions, and all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. They need to have a little, a strong mediator to come into play to be ground to help them get grounded. And for me, I have a lot of high conflict couples. Lots of those that are coming in after you know the sexual addiction journey and recovery and restoration and the middle loss and, or any mental health. right any mental health and you need a place yes we as mediators we can accept it for a session and then you need to get you know grounded because you have a big task you mean accept the rage the anger accept the right, feelings absolutely but not act right on. for sure so wait wait I have a question for you Dina so what is the difference between you and a therapist. That's a really great question. There are mediators out there that are therapists only. And the difference with a mediator that is an attorney is they're bringing the law to it. They're able to do support calculations. They're able to prepare the final agreement. They're able to do the filing for you. And I would love to talk about the filing later if we get a moment, because that filing of how you serve papers in the beginning of your case really sets the tone. So actually, I can address it real quickly if I have a minute here, is that If the mediator does the filing for the divorce, does the service, you know, quietly inside the mediation office, 
you know, it takes away the, the sting of having somebody come to the other person's workplace in front of family or friends and, or even the kids and surf papers. So, you know, that's something a mediator attorney can handle because there is still a legal dynamic that you can't just walk away from in your divorce. So I guess what you're saying, and of course this makes perfect sense, is that there's all these legal technical hoops that have to be jumped through when you're getting a divorce. And then there are all the emotional challenges of just trying to even be in a conversation with this person that you are so hurt and angry at. And is it what you're saying kind of that the attorneys who take over in situations like that for the couple that can't get along, even though they're doing the couple a favor because they are negotiating something the couple can't negotiate, that in a way the couple is cutting themselves off at the knees by not trying harder to figure out how to be in the room and participate and be a part of it. Is that the deal? I think that's a, a really fair way to summarize it. If anything, you should give it a try. So what do you do in mediation? I mean, I know what I do in therapy when people are, so you must have two people, Dana, who walk in the room and they just, they don't even want to look at each other. And one has come with their sister and another one's come with his friend. You know, they've got someone with them and they're just, you know, they're all geared up for the usual yelling and screaming and I hate yous and I'm going to take everything from yous that go along in these situations. How do you get them from that to guys, let's talk like adults here. (laughs) How do you do that? (laughs) Um, I I like structure. Mediation is structure. It's a professional setting. I think most people understand that and they're able to say, well, you know what, this is our chance. We need to put on our, you know, big boy pants on or whatever you want to call it. Right. And say, I'm going to, this is my opportunity to get through a really difficult time. And if I don't, I'm probably not going to, I'm going to be in a worse position. And I really think that incentivizes people to stay in the room, to really work hard. And if, you know, you found a mediator that has the same value set or has, you know, is going to stand behind you in a really difficult time, you're going to do really well because that mediator is going to know how to help you with those very difficult conversations and be able to walk you from point A to point C. And if you need that additional help, I work very closely with their therapists if they need it. I, you know, they'll sign the little waivers. We sign all over the place because also mediation is confidential, just like therapy is. And I can work in a team. And in California and many other states, we have something called collaborative law with fixation, which means you hire two attorneys, a forensic accountant, and a therapist, and they work in a team approach to help. It's one step below litigation, but it's, I would say it's a few more steps of in the maybe in the the high conflict aggressive movement. I don't know what spectrum to use there, but, and I personally don't practice in it because I have found that it's too many cooks in the kitchen for my liking. I have heard about this where like your therapist is there, their therapist is there, their mediators there, your mediators there, your, and I'm thinking who can afford all this? Right. And in California, if it doesn't work, you have to fire everyone and start over. So to me, that's high risk. But you can't fire you can't fire your husband or wife, right? That you have to go through all this again. Right. So you have to do it all over again. And to me, that's just high risk. One of my fixes, because I do like the team approach, is just to have in the mediation the, the client say, Okay, I'm working with my therapist. You make your appointment right before mediation or right after mediation to help you gear yourself up for the mediation or, you know, take you down after the mediation. It's an exhausting, you know, couple hours. And that really helps in itself. Have you ever worked with couples that you felt, you know what, I don't think mediation is going to work for these two. And if so, tell us about that. Yeah. If anything, it's my, my fault because I try so hard. I don't want anyone to feel like that mediation has failed them. But there's of course couples where there are issues outside of the mediation table that I can't resolve with them. And they they may have to have an experience 
of going to court to see how a judge may or may not rule on a certain issue. If people do have one issue or two that are outside of the mediation, for example, they can't resolve it, they can always resolve the other issues and just take those two issues to court. And I don't know any, again, I don't think anyone knows much about this. What would be something that could be handled in mediation and maybe something else that is better off handled in the court? You know, let's use an easy one. Let's just say that, well, maybe this isn't easy, but parenting, you know, most couples, even those in high conflict situations can resolve issues on, on parenting and parenting and mediation for a lot of states is required. It's uh, court mediation and they'll, they can resolve that. And then they can take issues like support or financial issues, division of assets to the judge or the reverse. You know, you, you're, you're easy. You say, we're going to sell the house, divide the proceeds. It's done, you know, and then it's parenting issues that are, are left on the table. Hey there. I sure hope you're enjoying this Sex, Love, and Addiction podcast. Before we continue, I'd like to remind you that if you or someone you know or love needs treatment for sex addiction, porn addiction, or co-occurring drug problems, Seeking Integrity can help. For more information, please visit our website at www.seekingintegrity.com. That's seekingintegrity.com. Or call us at 747-234-4325. So one of the reasons I wanted to talk to Dina, everybody, is that um, she's working on some things that she's begun to put online in California. And while it's only really applicable for California divorcees, I think this kind of thing is really what's needed across the country, which is real information, support, direction, guidelines, and help concrete for people who want to enter mediation or explore mediation or learn really how they can embrace this process. Can you talk a little bit more, Dina, about what you've thrown online and what you're trying to accomplish? Sure. So it took me a long time to do this, but I'm really excited about it. It's called The Complete Divorce, and it is geared for those in California. It takes them from beginning to end and provides them substantive courses about the law, like what happens on parenting, how to calculate support, how to do asset and debt division. And then all the forms are explained um, step-by-step with tutorials to show people how to fill out the forms. And then it provides them the final agreement that they can download. So you're saying that we could divorce ourselves? Absolutely. So it is a DIY program. So it's definitely Mm. here for people who- I'm sorry, I don't know the term. Do it on your own. So if I went online, and and by the way, if I wanted to go online and look for the course, and I was in this process in California, how would I find it? How would I find you? Just throw that in. So the web address is thecompletedivorce.com. If I were to pick up and engage in an online process like this, does that mean I wouldn't have someone, a person to help me? I would just be reading forms or and watching videos or um, does it come with consultation? Do you think consultation is required? It's going to depend on each case. The The complete divorce itself is geared so that people are able to finish on their own. If they do need to reach out, there are avenues within the program to show how they can reach out to my office or to another mediator or attorney. It highlights where those times may happen or be necessary. It's also helpful for people who are using another mediator or attorney and want to understand the substance and various options. So it can be an additional supplement or resource to what they're already doing. And there's ton, there are programs uh, nationally to help people through the divorce. The, the trick is finding one that is not just about form filling. My concern always with form filling programs is it's about basically checking the box and hoping it gets accepted by the court clerk. The court clerk is the one that accepts forms. So I'm guessing that even if someone was in another state, you might be able to give them 
a little bit of direction or if they were to write you a note. So would they just go to the website and drop you? Can you say again how they might drop you a note or, oh my gosh, I'm in Arizona. Maybe you refer another attorney or someone that you think might help them. Where would they write you? They're more than welcome to reach us, reach to us through the mediation office. That's ffmediation.com. F F is in Frank Frank mediation.com. Okay, great. And our phone number there is 408-357-3486. And we're more than happy to help connect you with the right resource to help you along your journey. And this is why I invited Dina on, because the fact that she's attorney only adds to my admiration for her desire to have compassionate, meaningful opportunities for people to heal their relationships. And healing your relationship doesn't always mean staying together. It doesn't have to mean hating each other. And it certainly doesn't have to mean that your kids are going to suffer because of what you and your spouse have gone through. So I'm so grateful that people are out there doing this. Hey, Dina, I know something about you. I know that you're married. I know that, and guys, I kind of cheated a little bit on this. I know that she's married to a sex addiction specialist who's Dr. Invia Beth Joseph, who is also in, you're in Northern California, right? San Jose or something like that? That's right, San Jose. So his practice is San Jose Counseling. So let me ask you this. Um, You certainly have seen the level of, of enmity, anger, disappointment, frustration with the couples dealing with the kinds of betrayal that I see that your husband sees. You understand that I may have a female spouse who says to me, look, He's had three affairs. He's been to 40 prostitutes and strip clubs. He's been online for porn three days a week for the past five years. I have all that documentation. He's never going to get those kids. He's not going to get a penny because he's ruined my life. He's ruined these kids' lives. And who knows what he's going to do next sexually after all these affairs and these experiences. I know that the court is going to award me full custody and he's never going to see those kids again there. And I also understand that people who say that often are in a place of great anger, but there are some people who really mean it. So let me ask you this. Is that idea that, okay, he or she screwed me over and they did it with affairs and casual sex and cheating. And therefore, since it was about sex um, and it was out of control, it was all of these incidents and all of that, and it ruined our marriage. Therefore, it's going to limit his access to the kids. Is that a reasonable idea? Wow. There's so much to unpack there, <laughs> Yeah, but it's, it's the reality and high level. No, no, what? No, it's not going to limit. Let's use um, the genders you're using dad's access to the kids, unless there is specific examples, evidence, facts that show dad's harming the kids, his personal life and what he's doing on the side, looking at porn, although it impacted mom and dad's relationship, it doesn't necessarily mean it's impacting his relationship with the children. And this is a point I really wanted us to make, Dina, and I appreciate your making it, is that I work with so many spouses who are understandably so angry, so devastated, and they feel entitled to be able to say, okay, you hurt me so deeply and you ruined things so badly and you did it in ways that completely shocked everyone around your sexual behavior that I'm not sure you're safe with our kids now because you had affairs, you looked at porn, you did strip clubs. We were supposed to be monogamous. You've had 75 experiences. I don't trust you sexually. I don't trust you with our kids and I don't want you to be sharing custody with me. In, in a spouse's mind, if it's a female spouse, that often makes an awful lot of sense. But I also know an experience with the courts that they don't really give a poop about all that. They're thinking, does he show up on time? Does he have a stable income? You know, has he picked up the kids at school on time? He, they're just thinking about the, the day-to-day aspects of being a dad and not necessarily being a good husband. 
And so you can be a really terrible husband in a whole variety of ways, but as long as you haven't really crossed any major lines with how you care for your family, you're not going to lose custody, no matter how angry or hurt your spouse is, right? That's right. But this tension is so real. And remember what we were talking about earlier about litigation versus mediation or one of these other alternate dispute resolution programs like collaborative. This is the place that mom needs to take a step back, kind of get herself composed, whether it's with her individual therapist, and then get herself to the mediation table. Because this is the place that she can get herself some time and some guidance to create a parenting plan that's going to work for her and dad and the kids. For example, one of the solutions that I have is to help dad, just like when you're in therapy and you know, dad starts to confront, husband starts to confront the consequences of his acts, right? Broken relationship, broken trust. The broken trust still happens with parenting. So dad is in the hot seat now and he probably owes it to her to build up on his parenting time. Instead, dad will come in and say, I need 50-50. That doesn't affect my relationship with the kids. You're not going to punish me this way by limiting my time with kids. But really what should could happen is dad says, I get it. Now let me prove myself and rebuild the trust that I broke in my relationship with you, mom, and I will show you in my parenting. And he may have to build up his time to get to the ideal 50-50 situation. And you can do that in mediation. And one of the harms is it legally, it could look like if dad starts with lower visitation time, that he's only entitled to lower visitation times, you know, a smaller amount. And dads are usually concerned about this. But I would write a parenting plan for them that says, you know, this is intention. It's going to step up. It's just in the time of trust has been lost. They're regaining it, all of that. Absolutely. So Dina, um, I think you're bringing a very disappointing message to a lot of spouses that I work with which is, and I think it's needed, but it's hard medicine. You know, it's like, he hurt me so much. You know, he wasn't here. I had to be the parent. He was looking at porn. The kids were sleeping. They could have walked in, but they didn't. But still, he was looking at porn and not paying attention to him. He was with other women. He gave his love and affection to other families. And you're telling me that he still gets half of everything, no matter how much pain and hurt has been caused to me. That is a really hard one, I think, for a lot of female spouses. Would you agree? It's devastating. It's not just hard. It's devastating. But it, I mean, this is where the law and the family conflict, but it's called family law. And you're supposed to somehow make the two work together. The biggest piece that I can provide someone in that situation is pick the right process. Don't think that the judge or the attorney is going to protect that part of your journey. Yes. Or punish them for you or punish them for you. The courts are not out there to punish. I mean, they're looking for the best interests of the child. That's general all over the nation. They're looking at frequent and continuing contact. You know, limiting visitation is really about negligence, abuse, and not my personal choices. Well, okay. So, but, but Dina, he was negligent. He came home two hours late every day of the week because he's having an affair. He was negligent. He never had answered my calls. You know what? He was negligent. I was having a baby in the hospital and he was at a porn store. How could you not call that negligence? I'm speaking as a spouse would speak. I have a feeling you as the court person is going to say something else. That could be just not a good spouse, but where was it that it was it his time to be home and take care of the kids? You know, that's the difference. Once he has a visitation schedule in place and he starts missing his time because he's looking at porn still, now you have a case. But just because you wanted to him to come home after work, that's a marital issue. 
Ah, so you're saying that the clock starts on divorce once the commitment to divorce has taken place and that how we view custody and those things could be worked out during the period of the divorce. Unfortunately, it is true. You know, he doesn't, you're kind of both starting at not really square one. We do, There is an acknowledgement, of course, about what is routine for the kids, what's regular, the stay-at-home mom or the mom that took care of the kids, but it only takes you so far. Because now you're in this new dichotomy, this new separation of two households, and there has to be a schedule in place so that both parents see the kids. And if there's no schedule, the kids aren't going to do it, or you put pressure on the kids. So, Dina, you've mentioned this a number of times, so I want to ask you about it. You said you keep talking about parenting schedules, and so that could mean a lot of things to a lot of people. So just give us a clue. Like when you say it's really good if a couple can come come down with that six months into deciding to divorce so that as they go through the divorce, they can see how that works for them. When they get to a final outcome, they can agree to something that they already know is working. Kind of, That's kind of what you're saying, right? Yeah, that's right. And so, for example, a schedule may be mom has Mondays and Tuesdays, dad has Wednesday and Thursdays, and then they alternate the weekend, the weekends. And this is a common 50-50 schedule. It's called a 2255. Um, you don't have to have a 50-50 schedule. That's an option. You hear with older kids, week on, week off. These are the kind of parenting schedules that the courts are looking to put for families if the parents are ready for this 50-50. If not, we have lots of other schedules like the, let's say dad takes you know, Wednesdays overnight to Thursday and every other weekend, You know, a more limited time frame. There's a couple of things I really want to take out of this that I think is particularly useful to the people that we're talking to. To the person who is in a divorce or on the way to, and you are the, the bad guy, you're the one who's done the bad stuff, and you're the one who's in trouble, and the reason for the divorce, quote unquote. What I'm learning here, find out your rights. You may have a spouse that says, I'm going to take everything from you. You're going to not have any choices. I've seen people running around very scared when they could learn the realities of an angry partner does not necessarily translate into losing your children. Um, but you need to learn about that. And there's a lot of men in particular who are the bad guy in these situations who are running around fearful without information. And I think for the spouses or the person who's been harmed or the person who's pursuing the separation in that way, I think you really have to understand that that while I have great empathy for your hurt, while Dina has great support for you, and we hope you have a lot of friends and family who love you for what you've been through, that a court is not going to consider your pain in terms of your desires for your marriage and how they were dashed on the rocks when they're figuring out your divorce settlement. And I think that these big, I want to say hammers that couples walk around with, I'm going to get you, I'm going to lose my kids, is is part of the problem. It doesn't help with the solution. That's kind of what you're saying, really. That's right. It's hard to swallow this bit of information. There is some, it's not like the judge is without heart, but you have to remember everybody that comes before a judge has a broken relationship. Nobody is coming there because their spouse did well by them. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there. And Dina, wouldn't you say that everybody says, I want this to be fair, and what's happened to me isn't fair, and I just want it to be fair, and it isn't fair that you did this, and now you don't get punished, or it isn't fair that this happened to me, and now I don't get retribution. But fair isn't what this is about. Fair in terms of how we care about each other or what we've done to each other is not what this is about, right? That's right. I mean... Fair, define fair. Everybody has a different sense of fairness. It just depends on what side you're sitting on at. The thing is, if you want that to be a part of your divorce process, litigation is not where you're going to go. It's not the courts. It's not the judges. You know, they're not the ones who are going to bring your sense of fairness into the courtroom. 
It's either the law, yes or no. The children, are they being well taken care of in both homes? Provide the evidence, provide the current facts, et cetera, et cetera. Sometimes it is almost impossible to get to an agreement. Remember, in mediation, the only way you're going to resolve this is with your other person, right? Your, your ex-spouse and so forth. And so you need him, you need her, and you have to work towards getting that person to the table. If let's say mom is having such a hard time because she is so broken about what happened, it would be good of dad to give up a little bit of the parenting or show himself or prove him, right? So yeah, it matters. But in the sense of the way you're saying, using it as a threat or using it to scare the other person, that's not going to help anybody in the long run. But it sure makes me feel like, I mean, I understand that I loved you. I came into the situation with an open heart and you ruined my life. And now I want that back. Uh, and I want the hurt and the sadness and the, I want it all back. And you got to give it to me. And that feels really, really fair to the person who has been so surprisingly harmed. But on the other side, the law doesn't really care about that part. And actually, they would be more impressed and you would have better opportunity to get what you want by doing mediation, by standing up with your adult parts and saying, okay, I was hurt, but I need to find a way to walk through this with dignity. And that's where people like Dina Haddad come in. Dina, thank you so much for being with me. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. This is really valuable. And what I want people to hear most of all before we stop is that there are folks out there. Here is, here's Dina. She's a, an extraordinary attorney. She has tremendous training. She's gone to great schools, but she's actually trying to create something for people who don't have a lot of money, for people who don't, you know, what she's created online, for example, is a, a much more low cost, accessible opportunity to grow and learn than, than getting two lawyers, two therapists, two counselors, two mediators, and trying to go that route, which is just going to probably use up all the money you have. So I do want to give you a thumbs up personally, Dina, because anyone who's trying to help people who may not have the resources for endless therapy or treatment centers, you know, I mean, we, Lord knows we're here to help, but if people don't have the resources, it's really great if you, people like you and I can step up and offer information and help for people who don't have those resources. And for that, I salute you and, and thank you for your time. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Bye for now. Hi, this is Dr. Rob again. Thank you for joining us today. If this show has inspired you to seek further information for yourself or someone you love, I encourage you to visit our Treatment Center website, which is www.seekingintegrity.com. There you'll find some useful information about the residential treatment we provide, which I think is some of the best, most useful, short-term effective intensive care you can find for sexual addiction and compulsivity, as well as combined drug sex or chem sex problems. On SeekingIntegrity.com, you can find some useful advice and direction for healing. And don't forget, if you want to write me about this podcast or reach any of my guests, please write me at Rob at SeekingIntegrity.com. I really look forward to our next time together. Take good care. <music>